Welcome to the Carlina Show podcast. I'm your host, Carlina Angwin. Today is Thursday, June 21st, 2018, and this is episode three of the podcast. Today on the show, we have Jennifer Silver. Jen moved from her small town in Ohio to downtown Atlanta to pursue her dream in film directing and writing. She talks about her journey of discovering her passion at a young age and working diligently towards that goal ever since. But pursuing an artistic dream comes with its challenges. Today's conversation poses the question, what does it mean for a young artist to know they are on the journey to something, but that something seems so far away? This episode is useful for aspiring artists, parents and family members of artistic children, teachers and mentors who have influenced children in the arts, because one assignment or compliment could propel a child to pursue a passion they never could have imagined, and they'll remember you for it for the rest of their lives. Please help me welcome Jen Silver. So Jen. Testing. (laughs) Testing one, two. Yeah. Oh, oh, we started? I think we're good. (laughs) Yeah. So tell tell us, what are you you doing now? Uh, Right now, I'm sitting at a picnic table in the middle of a park in Chattanooga. Uh Uh-huh. I'm kidding. Um, So right now, I currently work for a nonprofit in Atlanta, and I am a full-time videographer, content producer with them. So essentially, I am... Shooting, editing, short-form documentaries, some promotional work, uh, things like that is my day job. Um, And then outside of that, I am attempting to produce and direct independent theater and films and web series and things like that in Atlanta. Well, cool, cool. I'm I'm really excited that you're here this weekend, and you know, um, for those of you who don't know, Jen and I are cousins. <laughs> whoop whoop, fam! <laughs> and um, and we we kind of reunited at um, at Becky's wedding last year, and before that, we hadn't seen each other in I don't even know how many years. It's been a while. Way too long. And um, and so Jen is living in Atlanta, which is two hours from Chattanooga. So we. We made a commitment to each other that we would we would visit um, when we could. So, um, so she came up this weekend, and, and we've been having a lot of fun. So, um, so anyway, okay. <laughs> so I'm ex- really excited to have you here. Um, it's it's a pleasure to be here. Carly. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so bring us back to the the first time you um, had a, a video camera in your hands. Right. Well, this is a fun story because um, so I'm going to talk about Carlina as if she's not here. <laughs> uh, once upon a time when I was young, Carlina came back from serving in the Peace Corps um, in Panama. And she had a video camera that she recorded her travels and whatnot on. And she came to visit us. We were living in uh, northeastern Ohio at the time, my family and I. And she was, like, showing us old video and that sort of thing. But I instantly became obsessed with this video camcorder that she had. How old were you? Uh, I think I was either 11 or 12. Okay. I was, it was very, I was very young. We had just moved to Ohio. Um, it was, I know I was in seventh grade. And 
I became obsessed with this video camera and over the course of that weekend forced Carlina and my siblings into doing many horrible, horrible short films um, and like nature documentaries and commercials and we just filmed with that video camcorder like all weekend I think for as long as you stayed with us mm -hmm. and then you left and you took your camcorder with you and I basically made it my mission over the course of the next however long up until Christmas to get a camcorder so I saved all of my money and my birthday is the day after Christmas so I went to my parents and I said you put birthday and Christmas together whatever you can possibly do um, and here is all of my money and I don't care if it's a good one or not I just need a camcorder because I'm going to make videos and that's what I'm going to do and um, so Christmas morning came and there were three presents under the tree for me and there were two little boxes and one bigger box and they wouldn't let me open the bigger box so I had to open the two smaller presents first and I honestly don't remember what they were and then there was a big box that had my name on it and we were all taking turns and finally they let me open this box and uh, <laughs> I opened it so excited and found a bunch of old shoes <laughs> that my family had wrapped up as a practical joke and I was instantly devastated and so I went crying down into my bedroom and just sobbed on my bed until my sister Bethany had to come down and console me and be like, this was my idea, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, Bethany, by the way, loves to play practical jokes on people and so she is not, um, this was not her first time wrapping up a joke gift, neither would it be her last. Um, so she talked me into coming back upstairs and turns out there was a secret box behind the tree. And I opened that up and it was a very small Panasonic camcorder that I used until I graduated from high school. And I made so much stupid stuff with that camera. Um, I forced my siblings to be in a bunch of sh more short films. I would make my friends do it. If I went to a birthday party, the camera came along. I was involved in sports. The camera came with us to, to all of that. Um, when I was in seventh grade, I would record all the eighth grade basketball games. I just, I recorded everything I possibly could. Um, and then because of that, I offered to record the middle school play my, in seventh grade. And they said, sure, you can, you can take that, that's fine. And I said, well, if I'm gonna do this, I wanna do it right, so can I have a copy of the script so I can record it? And I can know what I need to zoom in on, and I can choose my shots, and I can come different nights and cut them together. I was, I was really into this. Um, and my teacher at the time, uh, who I still stay in touch with, by the way, her name's Vonda, she's amazing. Um, she said, you can, record it and you can have a script but um, I'll only give you a script if you decide to be my student director and I was like well what does that mean she goes well it means that you would um, you would run errands you would help me take notes that sort of thing and uh, so I asked my parents and they said sure that's fine and it turns out I actually kind of had a knack for it and I continued to uh, direct along with her and stage manage and all up until I graduated from high school. So I fell in love kind of both with film and theater at the same time, like weirdly, similarly, those started to fit together and um, just kind of stayed in love with those things and then decided that I wanted to direct for the rest of my life and that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was like I got my hands on a camera and I was like, oh, this is, this is what I'm doing and I've never really let go of that. Okay. 
So, um, so after after high school, you went you went to college, and what did you study at college? When I was in college, I studied. I got. Um, I was a dual major. I studied both theater and cinema performance as well as media communications with an emphasis in film production. So um, it was basically like one major was film and the other major was theater. Um, and what was nice about the theater and cinema performance program is it was really geared toward actors, but I walked into it and was like, listen, I don't want to act, I want to be a director. And they really helped me sit in classes as a director and geared my projects toward that, toward that. And they still made me act and stuff and I was really horrible at it. Um, but they let me, they let me direct a lot. And so I actually directed three different productions while in college, um, two musicals and a play. And I also was able to direct like lots of short films and all sorts of stuff. So I had a lot of opportunities to direct while I was an undergrad, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And then you went to grad school. Yes. I went to grad school at Florida State University and I got my MFA in film production there. Um, and so that was a two year program. Um, but it's six semesters long. You don't get a summer break. It's it's a pretty unrelenting program. Um, but it's nice because you can you can finish in a in two years and um, kind of go out and start working and, and do your thing, I guess. And that's what you were. did shortly after because you started working with the company you're with now. Is yeah. Right? So immediately after graduation, I moved to Atlanta because um, there's just a lot of great stuff happening in Atlanta. Um, the community there is really amazing. Um, Everyone is, everyone there is just really passionate. Um, there's a lot of great stuff there for women trying to do things, which is really cool. Um, and so I, I made the move to Atlanta and like almost August, end of August, early September, and then got the job that I'm working at now in November and I've and I've been there with them which has been which has been cool but while working there I've been able to work on other independent projects outside of that which has been nice okay can you talk just a little bit about what you do at your at your current job sure uh, so the company that I work for does a lot of um, crisis relief they do a lot of health initiatives they do a lot of work that's very global um, so what's exciting about that is I've, I've had the opportunities to travel. Um, at this point now, I've gone to, just with them, I've gone to South Korea. I've gone to Cambodia. I've been to Panama. I have trips upcoming to Mozambique and to South Africa. I've been able to meet lots of people around the world. It's been really, really incredible. Um, talking to and interviewing people um, and things, for everything from helping refugees resettle in other countries to people who help build latrines to, I mean, it's all sorts of stuff. And so, um, it's been, it's been pretty incredible work. It's been really exciting and it's, it's, it's been fun. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, mm -hmm. that's yeah. the basic gist of it. Okay. Okay. Um, so I guess one of the themes of, of this interview, uh, this episode today is, talking about, well, the theme just in, in general is, you know, the, the hero's journey. Right. And, um, and when we were sort of talking about this episode and we, we talked a little bit about, you know, what, what, what if you're, you're in the middle of a hero's journey, you're not there <laughs> <Right>. yet. <laughs> um, and you kind of find yourself like, you know, that, that you've done something, you've, you know, you've left, left Ohio, you know, moved to, 
Atlanta now. Mm -hmm. um, you're doing this 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 work that you enjoy, but then you also have you're also pursuing your you know your dream um, out, outside of that. Yeah, and you kind of find yourself sort of. Um, in between or in, in I'm in yeah. between a lot of things yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. torn between worlds as it were so could you talk a little can you talk a little bit about that where you find yourself right now well all right well here I'll, I'll try to condense it down to 30 minutes uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I think well first let's start geographically I guess you know I grew up in New York State as did you um and then my family moved to Ohio when I was 10. And so I really, I, I lived half my life in one state and half my life in another. Um, and really kind of felt torn and split between the two. And neither of those really felt like home. Um, and, I, and I think that that's just kind of become a metaphor for the rest of my life. Is just feeling torn between things and feeling like uh, I'm living kind of living between worlds um and i when we when we talked about the hero's journey and kind of um kind of being stuck in the middle of things it's i feel very very aware of the fact that i'm on the trajectory toward something but that i'm not there yet and so it feels like i haven't wrapped up any part of my story yet and like I'm still very much in the middle of it, mm -hmm. and it's a it's a weird place to be, mm -hmm. and sometimes an uncomfortable place to be, to know that you're in the middle of something. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with. I mean, when I when I set out to be a film director when I was like 12, um, really I just I did it because I I loved it. I loved making things. I loved creating things, and I thought it was cool and awesome and interesting. And then discovered that it like that I discovered that creating art that really speaks to people is such an incredible and unique opportunity. Um, and it it creates I don't know, it created within me this this like burning desire to create stuff that really mattered and had purpose. And, like, I've been pursuing that really diligently, um, much to my own dismay, because uh, it's exhausting sometimes. Um, but knowing that I haven't done it yet, you know? And maybe I've made little things along the way that have impacted people in some shape or form, but that I haven't quite gotten to where I want to be as an artist yet. Um, and that it's going to take a significant amount of time to get there is, is, uh, you know, it's part of the journey, but it's a frustrating place in the journey to be, I would say. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that even answered your question yeah, remotely. Yeah. Where is it that you want to be? <sighs> if I was in a position where I could, I mean, this is, sounds really stupid, but a lot of it really has to do with money. But if I was in a position where I could be in creative control of the things that I want to make and have the means to do them, it would be incredible. And I feel like I usually either have creative control or I have the means to do the things I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily have both at the same time. Um, and there have been some really unique and wonderful opportunities along the way that have been those things. Uh, most recently, I... 
uh, directed a play in Atlanta with um, a friend of mine. She, her name's Rebecca Robles. She's incredible. Um, the most hardworking and talented person I've ever met. She's an actress and she also produces. And um, she produced the play and uh, she starred in it and really kind of created an opportunity for me to direct. And it was the first time in a long time I've been able to direct something I really, really cared about and like had the means to do it the way that I wanted to do it. And, um, and that for me was like, like, a, like a glimpse into like exactly what I want my future to be. Um, but you know, it's for, it, it was for a short period of time, mm -hmm. you know, we worked on the play from about, uh, late December is when we were like trying to figure out what we wanted to do through May when it closed. Um, so, you know, five, six months of time where I was like really creative and creatively invested in something. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I want to be doing for like the rest of my life, mm -hmm. but it comes in short little spurts and isn't something that's necessarily consistent. And it's, I think, I try to be realistic with myself because it's something that for so many artists, whether they be actors, directors, producers, etc., um, those moments are really rare for a lot of people. So many people who want to do this still have day jobs, and so many people who want to do this, they get to make one movie over the course of 10 years, and then... It's the one movie that they made, and then they try to make the next one, and it's, and it's long, and it's grueling. And so um, I try to be realistic with myself and know that, like, I'm not going to inherit $60 million next year and so I can start my own production company and just create whatever I want to create. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to be realistic. Um, but, I mean, the dream would to someday be a person who can just be fully invested in their own creative work. I mean, that would be yeah. incredible. How do you manage the time in between those projects that really kind of take in your, your, your attention and your excitement? How do you manage the time in between? I never sleep. Um, and that's, that's not an exaggeration. My friends are always yelling at me because I don't sleep. Um, I think, I mean, it's tough because I do work a full-time job. And so I, like when I was directing this play, I would go to work at 7.30 in the morning. I would leave work. I would go directly to rehearsal. I would get back at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night and then work on the script some more and prepare for the next day of rehearsal and, and get like four hours of sleep and then I get sick and I'm a crazy person. When I'm in between projects, I'm always writing or always brainstorming about what the next thing could be. So I, I guess I'm never really in between projects in that sense because mm -hmm. um, I'm always working on something. If I'm not working on something, I kind of go insane. Um, and always just... I mean, on occasion, some other opportunities come up um, to do a little bit of freelance work or that sort of thing. I, I feel like I'm always, always doing something, and I don't manage my time well because um, I very rarely take time to myself. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I, I think part of that is self-inflicted. There's, there's a part of me that I feel like if I'm not always working that someone else is getting ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm... I'm always driven by the fact that if I'm not doing something right now, that I'm, I'm, I'm not letting myself get any closer to my, my dreams and my goals. Mm -hmm. But I've been trying more and more and more to balance that and to take time to, like, go hiking or biking. And, mm -hmm. Or visit um, your cousin. Or visit my cousin in Chattanooga. <laughs> um, we went on a very long bike ride yesterday. It was wonderful. Um, and trying to balance some of that because I think you can become so invested in it and become, uh, for me, I manage my time so poorly that I get burned out 
and that's never a good thing. Mm -hmm. That definitely happened to me at the end of grad school. By the time grad school was over, I was like, I never want to direct ever again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make movies anymore. Everything is terrible. Yeah. I had a really low point. Um, and I've like fallen back in love with it as one does. Because yeah. I think when you, I think when you really, when you really, really, really want something, it's kind of like a relationship. Like I, like I'm dating directing and you go through some really rough patches and you want to break up, but then you separate for a while and then you remember how much you love each other and you get back together. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I feel like often, mm -hmm. uh, with any art that I create, mm -hmm. but yeah. So, you know, managing time is a struggle, but I try. So tell me, walk me through the, the cycle of, of a project. So you, you mentioned there's, there's like the highs and lows, there's the excitement, there's the idea. Sure. And then, so just walk me through, give me an example of a project that, that you've done. Um, so let's say, um, let's say you're making a short film, right? And um, <laughs> so let's say, let's say I have an idea for a short film. And I'll immediately get excited about it. And I'll be like, oh, this is the most brilliant idea anyone has ever had. I'm a genius director. I'm a great writer. No one has, no one can even stand next to me in a room. I'm so incredible. Um, you know, because that's just the way I feel like a lot of artists are. We think our ideas are brilliant. And then literally the next day, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I've been like that idea. That was so bad. And then I like mull over it a little bit more. And I'm like, you know, it might not be horrible if I change this and this and this and this. And so then you start to kind of write and uh, you work at it a little bit. And for me, I'll, I'll like hit my stride and I'll like write six pages. And then I know that I have like two pages left to write and and then I, I hit a wall and I'm like, well, I don't know how to end this. I, I got this far and now I'm stuck between my middle and my ending. And then I hate myself again. And so then I put it on a shelf and I say, never again will I write. And then two days later, I'm like, oh, here's how to fix it. And so it's this constant like back and forth of like feeling like you're a creative genius and absolutely despising yourself uh, for ever thinking that you were a creative genius. Um, with a lot of like days in between of just sort of plugging away at something. Um, and that's one of the weird things about it is it often starts to just feel like work. And um, I think that's one of the great misconceptions about, uh, and maybe this is just, this only applies to me, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions that people who make film or theaters that like every day is fun and every day is exciting, but really the every day of it is, showing up and saying, I'm doing this because I need to do this to get this project done. Um, and, and often it just feels like doing work. But then there are moments when it feels like magic and it makes all of the other things very much worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and so you kind of go through and so let's say you've written the thing. And then depending on whether you already have the resources to do it or not, um, the pre-production phase can seem like it takes forever because you have to get all the people involved. You have to somehow find money to do what you need to do. Then you realize you have no money. So then you're begging people to do work for free, uh, which is always like a, a horrible, horrible, horrible place to be because you never want to work for free. And so, cause you feel like you matter as an artist and like your, your art is like worth money. Um, <laughs> And so you get a certain number of people together, and um, so you maybe pay them or you don't. 
and you create this thing and um, you shoot all of it and then you during the shooting process a million things go wrong um, you're shooting outside and 10,000 airplanes go over so your sound is complete crap and um, you, of course you didn't realize that on the day but you only realize that in post-production um, but then you have like this beautiful I don't know, this beautiful experience where you hated everybody during production, but at the end you all cry and hug each other and say that you love each other, and, and you do. Like, you really made each other miserable, but then each of them stood alongside you and you stood alongside them as you went through all the trials and tribulations of production. And so you hold each other and you cry and then you go out and drink and you love each other because you wrapped production. Um, and then you go into a dark hole where you edit for much longer than you ever think that you needed to. And I think the editing process is the most challenging part of filmmaking because it's very, very isolating. And it's when you realize all the mistakes that you made in production and then you're forced with having to save yourself from your own mistakes as a director. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, I think any, anyone who's ever watched um, the assembly edit of their film just sits down and cries and is like, I can never make a movie out of the footage that I have. But then, you know, after you cry over a box of Wheat Thins alone in your edit suite late at night um, because your editor left you hours ago because they were like, you can deal with this, <laughs> um, somehow, you know, you find people who help build you back up and you find ways to make things work and then it starts to feel a little bit like magic again and um, eventually and this is one of the hardest parts but eventually you decide that it's done um, usually I think I think the wonderful thing about um, the fact that there's film festivals and competitions and whatnot is it like builds in deadlines for people so at some point you have to finish something so that you can submit it to something mm -hmm. you know um, so eventually you finish a thing, or if it's a play, like, you know, you, you sold tickets for a performance, so you have to be ready by the time the performance comes around. Um, and so you finish the thing, and you sit back, and I think, for me, the very first time I watch it, a film screen, I sit there entirely nauseous, very sick to my stomach. It goes by very fast. Like, the film feels like it's 30 seconds long, and it's always very, very surprising to me. And I think that it's horrible, but then other people always seem to find something good to say about it, which is nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you'll maybe watch it a few more times and find something in it you like, but then I think for me, especially for anything, I, anything that I make, I can maybe watch it two or three times and then I can't watch it again. After that, it's just I see all my mistakes and whatnot and then that becomes motivation to like create the next thing and to do it better. Mm -hmm. um, to learn from those mistakes that I made and, and outdo myself. And yeah. I, always, I always look back on my other work and go, oh, Jen, so young. Oh, the things that you used to think about life and now don't. And I think that just speaks to, like, I mean, everybody grows and changes even with the smallest amount of time. Mm -hmm. So you make a movie, like, a, you make a short film, and then six months later you make a different short film, and it feels like your age is older. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. 
and I think that's a good thing to keep in perspective because I think it helps me let go of things and be like, you know, I'm moving and I'm growing and I'm everything is moving in a forward direction. And yeah. We've just kind of been rambling about process for that's a good. long time. That's good. That's good. Um, and, and I can relate with with writing and even with like this podcast like yeah. the first episode was just me talking into my phone and then the next one I had LAV mics which aren't LAV no they're love they're right. love yes and see yeah. see and I just learned like the proper pronunciation of my microphones so like each time I'm you know growing a little bit so I can I can I can relate but I think that's it I think that's important to like it's I think any filmmaker or artist or author um, actors, like you can look back on your work and just see, see the ways that you've changed. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. Sometimes it's a little, it's a little harsh to like look back at your old work. And I know I say this as someone who's still very young, but I hope that when I'm 50 and I'm still making things, I can look back on this time Mm -hmm. and respect the work that I did now for where I was here but also feel like I've grown so much mm-hmm. and that I've learned so much more as an artist and as a person, as a filmmaker, as a director. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's really important that we're always growing and changing. And I think it's helpful also for someone else, maybe a listener who's interested in um, production, directing, writing, sure, whatever it is, to see someone who started off not really you know, knowing what they were doing, but then they were growing and growing and kind of yeah. watching that process to, to see that someone doesn't just start out um, as a, like a famous actress or <laughs> they're, just brilliant. Famous, they're just brilliant. Sometimes so. it's really discouraging to see other people who feel really brilliant all the time. Uh-huh. Like you'll watch someone who's, who like wins an Academy Award at like age 16 and you're like, what, how are, how are you this good already? And I think that's because sometimes like, you can tap into magic, like, regardless of what age you are. I think sometimes you really, you find something that really speaks to the human experience, and people recognize that and appreciate that any age you are. And mm-hmm. I, I respect that about artists, mm-hmm. is a lot of them are genuinely very gracious to people who are younger than them, um, and can appreciate talent when they see it. I always have a hard time with it because I'm always very jealous. I'm a very jealous person. Um, but I really respect that about some very, very talented people who are able to look at people who are younger than them and recognize that the, the talent that they have to offer, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. But sometimes it's, it's easy to see other people seem so successful so quickly, but at the same time, you don't know how much work went into the, to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think of an actress like Saoirse Ronan, she got started so young, and so now she's so talented and she's still very young, but she's been working very hard as an actress for a very, very long time. And um, I have to respect, like, the work that she puts in. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about how you use the, the personal and the professional. So how, how do you, um, you know, take from just your, from life? How do you take experiences <laughs> from life and incorporate that into your art? I mean, sometimes it's very practical things, like something funny will happen and you'll immediately be like, oh, I need to write that into a script. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm always jotting down notes and things. But I think I almost can't help it. I I find myself writing stories that maybe aren't exactly anything that has to do with my life, right? Like I, I could write a story 
I'm just spitballing here because we're on the side of a river in Chattanooga. But I could sit here and be like, ah, what if I wrote a story about a fisherman? Um, And I've never been a fisherman in my life. Sure, I've fished before, but I don't do that professionally. But in writing this story about the fisherman, almost subconsciously, my ideas about life and the things that I believe will come forward in the work that I'm doing. Um, The... The themes that come across in every script that I write, every play that I direct, every movie that I direct, somehow always relate to something that I really believe fundamentally about the world. Um, And I know that there's certain things that I'm very passionate about. Um, One thing in particular um, is I'm, I'm, I'm really big about friendship. Friendship is something that's really, really important to me, and that theme has popped up in my work uh, significantly. Um, I have a very bitter, dark sense of humor. And so that comes out in a lot of the plays that I've directed. I love, I love a good dark comedy. (laughs) Um, I love being able to, I love being able to laugh at things that should be really sad. Um, because humor is my own way of kind of processing a lot of the things that I go through in my life. Um, and I think anyone could tell you that I, can't stay serious for very long. I'm always cracking jokes. Um, but I think, too, um, I do a... And I think this is one of the... And we've talked about this a little bit. One of the curses of being an artist is you do a lot of self-reflection and you do a lot of observing of your own life. And I think there's... I think there's something in so much of us that feels like we have to tell our own stories. And so there's pieces of me that comes out in, in, in every piece of work that I do. I I almost can't help it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that there's not a lot of tangible examples there, but no, that's, that's good. Um, uh, talk about, um, you know, we talk about the, the the large hero's journey and how you sort of, you feel like you're kind of in between that. Like you know that you're on a journey, but sure. you're not you're not you're not you haven't like completed the cycle yet. Right. And and you realize that. And yes. um and so you create for yourself smaller journeys. Yes. So talk about that. I think uh, I think that's I think it's so important to feel like you've completed something in life. Um, I think it's really exhausting if you sit back and feel like your whole life is aiming towards one thing and you know that it's really far away. It can become daunting in a sense. And so uh, (sighs) for me, uh, sometimes it's like, oh, why am I still doing this? Um, And so I think it's like really important to create small journeys for yourself. And so... I mean, some of those smaller journeys that I've been on, um, I mean, will be like the life cycle of a project, I think, is each one of those is its own little hero's journey, where I have my own struggles, I have my own mini self-revelations with every single project that I do, Um, and there is some sense of resolution, and then I move on to the next piece of my life. So I think a lot of my small projects kind of have each of their own hero's journey to them um or anytime I've um I don't know anytime I've picked up and moved from a place you know so like I think 
my my college experience being there for four years felt like its own journey grad school definitely felt like a hero's journey uh just because I feel like I'm a hero for getting through it (laughs) you are (laughs) um I had a friend who before I went to grad school she's she's incredible she's one of my uh I guess personal life mentors uh she's a few years older than me she's studying sociology she's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life um, but when I was going into grad school, she was like, Jen, there's something that you need to understand about uh, grad school. And I was like, what is that? She goes, there will come a day when you absolutely want to throw in the towel and quit, but don't quit. And I was like, Ugh, okay, Kelsey, <laughs> I love filmmaking. This will never happen. Sure enough, a year into grad school, I'm like, I want to die. <laughs> filmmaking is the worst. Um, I hit my abyss. Um, you know, and you hit very, very low points. Um, and I've been able to see myself come out of that. I think, um, the entire year I was the age of 25 was a hero's journey. Um, and I, I've talked about this a little bit with some people, but, uh, I, it's funny. I've talked to so many people who've said like 25 was the worst year of their life, or they can like point to a year in their twenties and say, this year sucked. Um, and for me, it was definitely 25. Like I can say it unequivocally. I know the next five years are going to be fine. Um, com- can you, can you, you know. talk about that a little bit? Well, I just, um, I hit like rock bottom in a lot of areas in my life all at once. Uh-huh. And, um, some huge, huge personal lows in terms of like relationships I was in. I felt like I couldn't create anything. Uh, that I wanted to, I was, I was in such a low space that like writing was exhausting. I couldn't even like open a computer. Um, I struggled a lot personally with like my own self-worth. Um, and I, uh, I was in, I was in a really bad, like emotional state, you know, and coming out of that, I needed like a lot of help. I needed to lean on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, who did you lean on? Oh, mostly like incredible friends. Um, Mm -hmm. no, I had, I had some people who were really, really instrumental and, um, Mm -hmm. helping kind of pull me out of what I would call a really, really dark place. Um, and I, I spent some time in therapy too, which I think was really good and really healthy. Um, I recommend it for everyone. I think going and seeing a licensed professional who can just like help you sort out your own crap you, you, anyone can go and just talk to somebody. It was incredibly helpful. I think especially for artists, because we're sorting through so much on our own. It was really good. I think I just spent every session just, like, talking and figuring my own stuff out. But, like, having a space to do that, I think, is really good. And I know a lot of people do that with things like yoga or, um, I don't know. There's, like, a lot of, like, ways to really help support emotional health. And I think whatever you can find for you is, like, a really, really good thing to invest time in. What did you find Um, for you? I mean, for me, definitely going to therapy was really good. And then also, like, taking more time in space and nature, taking more time to myself. I'm an incredibly extroverted person, but I have this friend... um, who is always encouraging me to spend more time by myself because I realized that even though I'm really extroverted and I get a lot of energy from people, I was spending so much time with people I was exhausting myself or not spending time with people in ways that were like emotionally healthy for me. So yeah, I went through like a huge journey of like finding a better place 
to be in, um, a better way of thinking about myself, more ways of encouragingly looking at myself. Um, I can be really hard on myself sometimes and realizing that and finding ways to be more gracious and generous with myself. Um, we're, we're all really healthy, positive things, but definitely coming out of that year, it felt like when I, like, it, it was so crazy, but it felt like the day I turned 26, like, I said goodbye to, like, something really big. Mm-hmm. And it really felt like I had, like, wrote the end on, like, that journey of that year. And this year has just been completely different. Mm-hmm. And, sure, it's had its own trials and it's had its own struggles, but, like, largely just stepped into a completely new mindset, which has been kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it, hasn't, it doesn't mean, like, this has been the easiest year ever, but... It definitely didn't feel quite like last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the shout outs where you just mentioned the mentors and the people, you know, who, who have helped you become the person that you are now, sure. um, is there anything else that you, that you wanted to share? Anything else that would be important? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have much wisdom and insight. <laughs> I think when it comes to creativity, it's really easy for um, people to feel like they need to find the right way to do things. And if I could provide any encouragement to anyone is that like, you need to find your own way of doing things. And it's so, I don't know, it's so easy to get hung up on uh, books, on structure, and you read a blog that someone says where you need to do this in order to be this way and this in order to be this way. I think everyone's journey really should be their own and like encouraging people to find those things, find the things that are theirs, um, either as people or as artists, I think is really, I don't know, really important. Mm -hmm. And I only say that because I spent a lot of time trying to do things the way I thought I should be doing them instead of doing things the way that worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that was exhausting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So, so who would you like to, to mention? Who are your um, mentors? <laughs> you know, I've had so many people that have been very life-giving. Um, but I would say, so Vonda, my teacher, who um, she was my 7th <laughs> and 8th grade algebra teacher, but really was the woman who helped me fall in love with directing. Um, Ron and Alzana were two, uh, two mentors of mine in high school. They also helped me so much in, like, who I wanted to be as a director. They let me so much stuff that I uh they were also my speech and debate debate coaches which is really fun um but they just they give so much of their time and invest in high schoolers who really can't make sense of their own lives and they're so patient and so kind and so they're really great um my film professor in college his name was Josh he is he more than anyone taught me how filmmaking is more than just like an exciting fun thing that filmmaking can be worthwhile and purposeful and that directing can have meaning and you can tell stories that are important um so I'll I'll always appreciate him um my best friend Lucy is the most encouraging and wonderful person ever and I couldn't do life without her and um also my friend Rebecca she has helped me create so much in Atlanta. She's been remarkably instrumental to 
I don't know, just the creative person I am today. She's been in so much of my stuff. Um, she's acted in literally everything I've asked her to act in, and she's produced things, and she's just become the most encouraging, collaborative, creative partner, which is, man, something so important to find. So that's really good. Um, man, I feel like I'm giving my Oscar speech and that I'm, like, leaving someone out. Um, but those are some of the most important people, like, in my creative journey, um, especially as, as a director and as an artist that have kind of, like, shaped me along the way um, and have been really important to me. Well, good. Yeah. Good. Well, good. This has been fun. And um, I think you deserve an ice cream cone. <laughs> Ice cream cones are my favorite. We didn't get you one yesterday. We got the Luigi. You're like, Luigi's not ice cream. <laughs> um, something that's important uh, for people to know about me is that ice cream is my favorite food. Um, and what's really exciting about that, Rebecca, who I've literally talked about a thousand times now, she and I, uh, we always are rewarding ourselves with ice cream. Like, we're so determined to, like, eat healthy and do really well, and then we'll be like, but today we're going for ice cream. And people make fun of us because we're probably, we have this one favorite ice cream place in Atlanta. <laughs> it's called Queen of Cream. It's so good, but we're there so often. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but ice cream is just, it's so good, guys. I think you have an Instagram story about eating ice cream. Yeah, I, yes. We, okay. Yes. We'll ice it, cream we'll all the link, time. A link to that in the show notes <laughs> because great. there's a lot of ice cream eating going on. I in love that story, it. That's so, so good. Well, good. All right. Well, this has been fun. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, anytime. <laughs>